Welcome to the Deptford Cinema Podcast. Bienvenido al podcast del Deptford Cinema. Deptford Cinema, the right place for film lovers. Hello everyone, welcome to Deptford Cinema Podcast. Today we are going to talk about Indonesian films. My name is Lena and I'm one of the volunteers at Deptford Cinema. And we also have Paul who has previously programmed two Indonesian film festivals at Deptford Cinema. Hello, Paul. Hi, how are you doing? I'm okay, how are you? I'm good, good. Good, good. Okay, and today uh, we have a guest star. Uh, our guest star is Hana Arashid, a British Indonesian actor who has won several awards for her Indonesian films, including a Best Supporting Actress Award in 2018 for her film Aruna and Her Palette. Hana is not a stranger to Deptford Cinema because in 2019 she has helped us curating our Indonesian Film Festival. So Hana, it's nice to have you here. How are you today? <laughs> Hi everyone. I'm okay. Just correction. I was nominated. I did not win. <laughs> oh, all right. Okay. So thank you for we're, having me. Okay. <laughs> no we, worries. We we will cut that out. <laughs> it's, it's okay. okay. You can keep um, it. It's funny. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> okay. Maybe, um, Hannah, we can start maybe. Uh, you were born in London, but now you work in Indonesia. How did it happen? Um, well, I was born in London because my parents met and had me here. <laughs> but um, yeah. I, uh, my father's Bugis. He's uh, Indonesian from South Sulawesi. And... Um, Uh, because of him, I think like with most diaspora who or British born Indonesians who grew up in London, you always have a fascination with um, back home. And it just so happened that mm -hmm. through my my father, who's a, a very, um, very patriotic Indonesian, um, mm. he yeah, he made sure that we grew up in an environment where we knew very much about Indonesia, where we were from. And it's actually because of him that I have my love of Indonesian cinema. And I think uh, because of all of that, I ended up going to SOAS and studying Indonesian and development studies. And then from there, I decided one day to just move and try living back home, I guess. Mm -hmm. And it's somewhat by chance that I ended up in the Indonesian film industry. I hadn't planned to do that. But I'm great, very grateful now that it transpired that that was my path in life. And yeah, that's it. I'm currently back in London yeah, okay. now because of COVID. But yeah, still very much have links um, with the industry there. Okay. So, um, I have to say Indonesian film is not very well known in the UK, uh, unlike Japanese or Korean films. So can you tell us here, uh, how big is the Indonesian film industry or maybe how many titles a year they produce, for example? Oh my gosh, hundreds. I mean, it's definitely <laughs> an industry that is um, increasing for sure, especially over the past 10 years. I think, um, I mean, in the, there was a kind of drop in um, the industry. I think it was in like the 80s, 90s, and there was a revival um, with, you know, films like Ada Apa Dengan Cinta, with Petualangan Sherina and Jai Langkung. And there was suddenly this 
it was like a, a comeback of Indonesian uh, of Indonesian films during those years. And since then, um, I th- it is increasing and increasing. It's still, I would say, a relatively small industry in the sense that it's uh, it's still a big struggle to be a filmmaker in Indonesia. And um, there isn't a lot of government help in terms of um, exhibitors. There aren't that many in terms of distributors. There are hardly any at all. So it's a very, I think, self-sustaining industry, but it's still quite volatile, although it is doing better. And unfortunately, this pandemic is really affecting the film industry currently in Indonesia. Yeah, probably it happened to lots of other countries as well, isn't it, with this COVID? I think for sure, Uh, but I think it's also what makes it quite difficult in Indonesia is when it comes to making your money. Um, I I once had a producing class with Meska Torisia from Balari Films, and she explained that 70 to 80% of revenue is still based on ticket sales. So the fact that cinemas are now closed in Indonesia, it's the industry is practically dead, and there's only so much that you can do for OTT, right? So a lot of people who, a lot of production houses who had made films prior to the pandemic and who were supposed to release last year, are still having their films on hold and they're waiting out for cinemas to reopen at full capacity because there's no way they can make their money back based on, you know. 20% occupancy because of COVID restrictions and stuff. So it's really it's really quite sad at the moment. An already struggling industry is now yeah. doing even worse. Yeah, so, um, I mean, what options do people have now if they want to watch uh, Indonesian films? Because um, uh, Netflix seems to be showing quite a few Indonesian films at the moment, mm-hmm. but... Um, you know, the last time I was over in Bali, I did try to find one or two Indonesian titles on, on DVD, for example. Yeah. And certainly there aren't any, how can you say, uh, any sort of official, legal. any uh, legal, there you go. There, yeah. All the shops um, basically sell uh, part of it, uh, DVDs. Yeah. Uh, I know a few years ago, I mean, there were sort of DVDs and VCDs on sale. But those seem to have um, basically disappeared. So, I mean, what what other kind of, for want of a better word, what other revenue streams are there apart from ticket sales? Do you think is it mainly Netflix, or is there are there any other way that are there any other ways that you can sort of buy Indonesian films legitimately? Well, I think if you're looking at within Indonesia itself, like OTT platforms have really boomed in the past few years. So, and you have the local ones and then you also have like the international ones like netflix and i think view is from is it from korea singapore Singapore. there was also iflix from malaysia that's now closed but there were quite a few and um especially this past year like ott has boomed i think ott consumption has gone up like hugely massively like Disney plus Hotstar is now in Indonesia and there's there's so many. There's video.com. So if you wanted to watch Indonesian films in Indonesia, this past year, like it's been amazing because you have so many so many more local platforms. And the good thing with these platforms is they're not only fighting for new releases, um, but 
they're also showing a lot of older films. They're buying um, they're ba- buying up older films, so that's really good. Oh, wow. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, the unfortunate thing is, I mean, I had access to all of those when I was living in Indonesia, and now trying to access them from here, unfortunately, because of the territory difference, you can't. Like, I can't watch all of them from here. There are some that I still can, but mostly I can't. And obviously, there are a lot of Indonesian titles on Netflix now, which is a really, really positive thing. I think, but I don't, I think the, like for me personally, I think the curation could be better, but at least we're able to see something. And um, there's also a production house, Vicenema, um, like the founder of Vicenema, Anga Sasonko, he's actually now created um, bioscopeonline.id, which is basically like an online cinema where you can rent Indonesian films. And I've been lucky enough to be able to access it from here because I still can pay using my e-money thing, my e-money app that I have from Indonesia. And I'm waiting for the day where they'll accept credit card payments because it means that people outside of Indonesia can access it and not have to rely on having like a local bank account. So hopefully that will happen at some point. But um, as far as as DVDs... I mean, yeah, we used to have a lot of distributors like Easy Home, like NAF, like Cinecom. And unfortunately, piracy is really bad in Indonesia. And it used to be that it affected the DVD market. But now, yeah, you can't buy unless production houses themselves are going to release DVDs. You're not going to be able to get um, legal DVDs. So you have to depend on legal streaming which is now really good but of course you know like with this digital age even when we have films in the cinema it's such a huge like piracy is such a huge problem like our film will be out and then it's on it will be released one day and two days later it's on youtube and because also the the protocol for getting your films taken down on youtube is also it's not easy or it'll be on all sorts of other illegal streaming platforms it really does affect the industry in a huge way because going to the cinema is still seen as a luxury for a lot of people so if they can get it for free online Mm. why bother paying for a ticket and yeah yeah, so it is a huge uh, problem when yeah, when I went to Indonesia uh, like two years ago, uh, yes, two years ago, the cinema there is very different from the cinema uh, here in the UK. Here yeah. you just, you know, got all the basic things. But Indonesia, no, it's, it's sometimes the service is like in a restaurant. People, the people can serve you inside the cinema. You can lie down like sleeping in a bed or something like that. It's amazing. I mean, that's why you said it's luxurious in Jakarta, I think, yeah. And we don't really have it here, I think. Yeah, so basically, I mean, going to the cinema is a wonderful experience in Indonesia because it's, it's clean, the snacks are amazing, the service is great, the studios are great. It's an extremely enjoyable experience, especially considering... Cinemas in the UK can be a bit grimy. So you really just go in to watch a film because you love it, but you don't necessarily feel at ease sitting down. Whereas in Indonesia, you know, that the cinemas there are built for your comfort. You have the premier cinema that has reclining chairs, like in, um, in an airplane. And yeah, you can get all sorts of food. 
But, you know, the, the issue with going to the cinema in Indonesia is cinemas are not standalone buildings in Indonesia. A lot of cinemas are in shopping malls. And, you know, if, you, if you're going to particular shopping malls, you know, usually you're from a particular social or economic background. So cinemas in Indonesia can be quite intimidating for a lot of people. It's not like, for example, I think there's always the comparison with like India and Bollywood, where there's so many kinds of cinemas for all kinds of people. So it's affordable. There's a place for everyone kind of thing. That's from, I mean, that's what I've heard that what I've been told. Whereas in Indonesia, going to the cinema, especially if you're having to go into a, a mall where for a lot of people, it means you have to spend a certain amount of money and you have to present yourself in a, a particular way. You, you know, you have to dress a certain way or you have to get a car to go that you have to pay for parking. It's, it's, it's this thing that becomes, um, it's only really accessible for people who have money. And that greatly affects the industry because it should be that film should be accessible to anyone. And there should be that you should be able to watch a film without having to feel like, you're going to spend so much money just because you have to go into this shopping mall and do like not just watch the cinema, but have to like incur the payment of like parking and this and that and blah, blah, blah. The cinemas that, I mean, back in the day, Indonesia used to have a lot of standalone buildings that were just, you know, like a cinema, like they are here, like the concept of a cinema here, that's just a building by itself and it's more accessible and it's better like that. But yeah. unfortunately, we also only have like there's one exhibitor that kind of dominates the market and that's XX1. So it's uh yeah, it's 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 tricky. But it's a wonderful thing to go and watch a film in an in Indonesian cinema yeah. if you can afford it. But the way in which these exhibitors yeah. work are also unfortunately um biased against local films. They they will prioritize foreign films and particularly American films over the local industry and the local film industry. And that is also something that greatly affects us because if everyone's making films, but you're not so, able to, um, to distribute your film fairly, you're not given a chance, then you're not able to make your money back. It's, it's, uh, it's yeah, it's really difficult. That falls cinema. False community. So it's quite good then nowadays because we have the OTT, the online platform, as you said, because it means Indonesian film probably can have more access yes. than, this, than the cinema, the actual cinema, physical one. Most definitely. The well, only thing that with that is you still have to think about piracy, which is still a really big thing there. But it is uh, great that so many films are now more easily accessible um, yeah. because of OTT. Yeah. And um, back about films again, uh, I mean, about Indonesian films, what, what type of films usually people uh, produce? Because when I was little in Indonesia, uh, films in the in Indonesian films in the cinema, which I can watch, was maybe mostly horror film or action films. So, oh, yeah. So I, I. So what is it like uh, nowadays then? I think there's a lot more variety these days. Although, if you look at commercial, commercially successful films, I think usually horror is still number one. Mm -hmm. People, Indonesians love horror films. Um, 
I think um, comedies are also, there's a lot of comedies, there's a lot of drama films. I think um, it's interesting that a lot of the time when it comes to trends of films in Indonesia, if one thing does really well, then everyone will try to emulate the success of that film. So like if one horror film's done really well, now everyone's making horror films, even production houses that perhaps wouldn't have. Or, you know, when The Raid came out and that was really successful, everyone within their budget was trying to do, you know, action films. And I think that variety is, it. it's, uh, we have that variety, but it is also difficult because, you know, you have some amazing indie films that come out of Indonesia, some amazing, um, mm. you know, there's a lot of Indonesian films that go to international film festivals. But unfortunately, a lot of these films are not films that will be commercially successful in their own country. One reason is because censorship is still a a big issue in Indonesia, whereby because, you know, like with an increasingly conservative government as well, there are certain themes or certain scenes that, you know, end up being censored. And the minute you make a film in Indonesia that has, for example, if it's classed as like a 17 plus, you're automatically taking out a huge chunk of potential viewers, which means that's a huge chunk of potential revenue that you've lost. So a lot of producers end up having to be extremely smart in the way that they look at their films as a business and how they're going to make money from it. For example, Mm -hmm. um, the film that I did, Aruna and Her Palette, for example, that was a film that because of one scene where, you know, uh, my character and Nicola Saputra's character are getting drunk and another scene where my character talks about contraception, the film ended up being a 17 rating instead of a 13. There's oh. no sex scenes, there's no kissing scenes, but there's those two scenes where we're at a party drinking and then when I, t- when I say wear a condom, but automatically because of that, Mm-hmm. The rating was put up, and that meant that there's a just one word, yeah, just one word, the condom. I mean, that's you all mean. I say. Wow. <laughs> but then there was a huge. So that means that <laughs> anyone below the age of seventeen is now no longer able to watch it. And when you look at um, cinema going habits in Indonesia, uh, I mean, if I go to one cinema, Block M Square, which prioritizes a lot of local films, you'll see a lot of high school kids there, or you'll see a lot of you know, kids in school uniform who all go together to watch a film. But if they're underage, they're not going to be able to watch this film. And therefore, there's a huge chunk that you've left out. And in, and going to the cinema is still something that is done amongst a lot of families. So it's in the interests of, you know, these stakeholders to make films that are easily accessible. And because of that, a lot of self-censorship happens. So, yeah, I mean... There's lots of films, there's lots of genres, but there's, that self-censorship affects filmmakers as well. So that being the case, um, how about uh, films like, say, uh, was it um, was it Kachumbu, Tuvu, Indiku? Yeah. I probably ruined the title, but yeah. I know that, you got it. That, 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 that was a very controversial uh, film within, Indo- within Indonesia because of the subject matter. Yeah. Of a, of a gay man sort of reminiscing about his his childhood. Yeah, I mean, how was how was that received, and did that do particularly well, or was it is well, it was it um, 
was it well received or was there a, a real kind of backlash against it? Well, interestingly, that was one of the films where there were a lot of protests to stop the film from being screened. There were a lot of protests from a lot of conservative groups that said that they didn't want this film mm-hmm. to be in cinemas. And unfortunately, I think there were some cinemas in some towns where they stopped screening it. And that's something that legally they weren't allowed to do, but it was done anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, because it got so much buzz, um, you know, internationally and because also um, it won a lot of awards at the at, at the Chitra Awards, which is like our version mm-hmm. of the Oscars, it was then... Um, it had a few re-released screen, you know, like it was re-released and stuff. But in terms of a com- like, it wasn't as commercial success, if you will. It wasn't something that was a huge commercial success, but it was a critical. Uh, it was critically very successful, I guess. Yeah. Sorry. Can I just say for for our for Deptford Cinema audience, if they don't know uh, the title of the film in Indonesian, I think because in here the film is called Memories of, of My Body. 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 Yeah. It's something like that. Yeah. And we we were thinking to screen it in our cinema, but then uh, the COVID, so we had to cancel. And I'm sh- I think Barbican is. Go- is planning to do it sometimes. Brilliant. It's a film that everyone should yeah. see. It's it's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Paul. What did you want to say earlier? Yeah, I was I was gonna say, I mean, is that is that um is that sort of recurred with other films in the past where you know a film of, of real quality has come out, but because it's tackled, you know, what's seen as, you know, within the context of Indonesian society has been fairly controversial. It's, it's uh, you know, it's had a brief uh, screen run and then disappeared out of sight because of that kind of lack of, of support. Well, I think what's interesting with Indonesian producers is they are so smart when it comes to their business model. So mm-hmm. when they're creating films with particular themes, I think they know... I think they already know where they're going to market it. And a lot of the time, if yeah. you're doing these kind of controversial themes, you know, you're probably not going to be able to screen it. Like you're not going to be able to have a wide, a, a nationwide release in Indonesia. So, you know, a lot of them focus on international distribution and festivals and all that kind of stuff. But it's interesting because after that film, there was another film, which even from the trailer alone, because it was looking at, um, it's basically a film called Dua Garis Biru. I think it's Two Blue Lines, the English title. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a, an amazing film. But the trailer garnered so much controversy where there was actually a petition to stop it from being screened because it looked at the theme of a teenage pregnancy and especially, you know, getting pregnant before being married. And the trailer alone caused a lot of controversy. But... Ironically, when it came out, it was a huge commercial success. It was hugely successful. And it was it's so it's amazing to see how some people are so quick to protest and to judge films without even watching them. And then in reality, the film was an extremely important social mm. commentary on family and on religion and on teenagers and on sexual and reproductive health. And it just happened to be one of the most successful films commercially films of that year. So 
it does happen, but I think Indonesian producers are also extremely smart. They know what works in the industry. They know where they can push their buttons and they know mm -hmm. when, yeah. I mean, as a producer, you have to be smart. You have to know where your film is marketable. And I yeah. think especially yeah. someone like Garin who directed Memories of My Body, you know, he has an extremely big presence yeah. at Indonesian at international festivals. And yeah. so even with the film that, remember we brought, uh, Sakala Niskala to Deptford Cinema, the scene and unseen. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Even when yeah, that yeah. film came out, it came yeah. out to limited release, but I'm pretty sure that Four Color Films and or Ifa Ispansha as the producer knew that this is a film that was going to do extremely well internationally. This is a film uh -huh. where, you know, yeah. they didn't necessarily need to depend on the domestic um, market to make back yeah. their money. I so it's, yeah, you have to make smart yeah. decisions like that. That's okay. Right. So and they, so when films are being, um, you know, proposed, mm -hmm. they're automatically looking at an international market as well to see if there's a, is it crossover appeal or if it doesn't necessarily do well in the domestic market, it might do, do quite well um, internationally. I think a lot of, I think with a lot of our films, if it's particular themes or if it's particular genres, you know, a lot of people, know, like I could watch a film and I'd be like, okay, this is art house. This is going to an international festival. It's not for mm -hmm. the domestic market. And as long as you kind of know that, then you know where to market your film and you know to where to get your funding. Because if you're looking for funding within Indonesia, then, you know, a lot of the time it's because you want to make your money back in Indonesia. But there are a lot of... Um, Indonesian producers who already have links at international festivals, therefore, you know, they access a lot of funding from all of these different festivals that they go to. They manage to get sales agents, distributors, all that kind of stuff for their films. So they don't have that burden of trying to make back money on the domestic market because they know that kind of film is not really going to work in that domestic market yeah. anyway. So they know what they're doing. They're extremely smart about it. But it's true that when you're trying to make films for the Indonesian market, there are so many factors that you have to think of because like, for example, one, one example is a film that I did called Jai Lankung, which was a remake of an extremely popular horror film. But the film that we made, we knew that it was going to be released on Eid and Eid is a notoriously, you know, it's a family holiday. It's the end of Ramadan where all families go together and people love to go to the cinema to watch a film as a family. So if you have a family with children, there's no way that you can watch a film that is 17 plus. No. It has to be either universal, it has to be 13 plus. And so because of that, this yeah. horror film was then made to with that in mind. So me watching it as a horror fan, I'm completely disappointed because it's not scary at all. But we know that it was made for that market ah. because we knew it was going to be released at that time where the market is family. So you had to tone down on the horror, tone down on the scares. And you see, that's the thing. That's how, you know, if you know your market that well, then you make those decisions based on that. But then again, how much is that pure filmmaking for filmmakers sake? And how much is it just, you know, a business model? Yeah, it's quite difficult then for for filmmakers in Indonesia to yeah. find a leeway what, what they can do and what they can't do. It's extremely and, difficult. We have, 
Yeah, and um, maybe one day when we can open our cinema again, we'll try to bring all the titles you already mentioned to our Indonesian Film Festival. (laughs) Okay, yeah. And we've... I've got a, a short film from someone in Indonesia, which I think is interesting. I mean, technically, probably it's not the best, but again, uh, as you said, because uh, it's it deals with the religious conservatism, because in, mm-hmm. and I think they managed to make a little story about a very conservative uh, environment, and but in a they criticize what's happening in Indonesia, but in a nice way. So we'll bring that to our cinema and then our listeners can li- can watch the film on our online platform later on. Um, Brilliant. Yeah. So uh, maybe because we've been talking quite long, uh, can you recommend us or people who never watched Indonesian film before, if they want to watch Indonesian film, what, can you recommend some titles? Um, I think so. If you're listening from the UK, then I guess the main platforms you're going to have, I guess it's Netflix, Amazon, and maybe Shudder. Um, it's really, I mean... Anyone who loves horror is really in luck currently because there's quite a few really good Indonesian horror films that have just come onto Shudder. So you have um, you have Impetigo, um, which went to Sundance. That's Joko Anwar's film. Mm-hmm. You also have um, The Queen of Black Magic, which we did, which was a remake of a film from the 80s. Um, that's now currently on Shudder. That's directed by Kimo of the Mo Brothers. Um, and you also have Satan's Slaves, which um, we screened at Deptford a few years ago. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. on Amazon yeah. Prime, um, I mean, another film that we screened that time was The Seen and Unseen, Sakala Niskala, and that's available to rent on mm-hmm. Amazon. And if you're curious about an Indonesian superhero film we have basically like the marvel universe of indonesia the first film that started was gundala and that's um available to rent on um amazon prime and i think on netflix there's there's so many on netflix there's loads i mean there's uh possessive there's aruna and her palette there's an amazing documentary called islands of faith there's um ave mariam and if you're into hardcore action films there's the night comes for us and there's headshot Mm -hmm. i think there's a good variety uh, that you can access out there okay thank you very much i think uh this is quite long so uh, um thank you for everyone for listening then if you are interested to see an indonesian film we will have a short film 10 minutes which is called humanistic the film has won a Best Story Award from the Indonesian Genflix Festival. And you can watch the film for free on our platform. Uh, thank you so much, Hannah, for uh, talking to us today. Thanks and for having me. You're welcome. And then maybe you can come and f- um, help us uh, curating our next Indonesian Film Festival. Oh, that would be awesome. I would be happy. Yeah, that would be grand. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Okay, thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you. you.
you for listening to the Deptford Cinema Podcast. For more information about our current online activities, please visit our website, www.deptfordcinema.org. Deptford Cinema. Deptford Cinema, the right place for film lovers.